Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. It is so good to have you with us today and so good for all of our live streamers that are all over the world. Let's just, let's just read a few of them. France, Peru, Saudi Arabia, the U.S. Virgin Islands. How many of you want to be there right now? No, you don't. Put your hand down. You want to be right here listening. The United Kingdom, Alabama, California, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Oregon, South Carolina, Texas, and Utah. Let's welcome all of them. So great to have you from all over the world. For those of you who I have not had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Penny Maxwell. My husband and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House. And I am stoked that I get to be at Central Campus today. Pastor Troy is actually in Boston speaking. How many of you know that New England needs some Jesus up there, right? They got the lobster, now they just need the Jesus, I'm just saying. Um, then all of our students actually uh, are doing the takeover. You saw that a couple weeks ago here. Um, so they are doing the student takeover tour. So our students are up at our Lake Norman campus today, running the show, doing everything from the worship to the preaching, running the sound, ushering, greeting, because we don't call, we don't call teenagers or young people the future. We call them the now. They don't have to wait to one day do something big for God. They can do something big right here, right now. So they're taking over. And then uh, one of our other teaching team members is at our South End campus. So I get to hang with you guys. And this, this has been a really incredible series. I love this whole house party series. For those of you who may just be coming in and not sure what this whole house party series is about, we just decided as a church that we were all gonna open up our homes, open up our hearts, invite people in, start connecting with people. Because how many of you know it's really easy to go to work, Go home, the garage door to come down. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and we just decided as a church, what if, what if just maybe since we had to eat dinner anyway, we just did it with somebody else? And it doesn't have to be complicated. You can order pizza, have a movie night, just any and everything just to connect with other people. Because a lot of you, you've been working with people for 10 years and you don't even know anything about their family, or maybe your kids have been playing baseball together and, and you see them across the field, but what would happen if you actually just decided to engage them in life? What might change? What might rearrange in life? And in this whole series, it's been about just loving people, caring about people, just because God does. You know, there's a, a word that we use here around Freedom House. It's a word that's familiar to most of you, but people ask us all the time. You know, Freedom House, the size of Freedom House, we don't talk about this a lot, but it's in the top 1% of churches across the country, our size. And people say, how did your church grow to be its size? How, how are you reaching the people you are reaching? How are you doing the things that you are doing? And I would give you the same answer every single time. This one word called hospitality. 
hospitality. Now, what does hospitality mean? I'm going to give you three different versions. The first is going to be the Penny Maxwell version. Then I'm going to give you what Webster's says hospitality is. And then we're going to go to the Word of God because we are in church and the Word of God is pretty important, right? So the Penny Maxwell definition of hospitality is really simple. It's letting people know they matter to us before they even know that they matter to God. Letting people know that they matter to us before they even know or realize or comprehend or understand that they matter to God. Webster's says it like this. It uses words like generous or friendly or receptive or open. The Bible says things like entertaining strangers graciously, sharing meals, going from house to house, preferring someone else above yourself. That would be the Bible definition. And you know, I think a lot of times when we think about hospitality, we think, you know, that's just for somebody with that gift. I don't really have the gift of hospitality. Well, we're gonna dig into this a little bit deeper and I wanna show you exactly, specifically, what the word of God has to say about hospitality. But I have to tell you something really funny. We've gone to several house parties over the summer that have just been amazing and we've had some ourselves. And uh, last week at our central campus, 13 people came to our central campus that my husband and I had invited. I just thought, oh my gosh, all we did was love them. All we did was just feed them and hang out with them. We didn't preach the gospel to them. We didn't do, we just loved them. And they asked, can we come to church with you? It's, it's amazing to me what just loving on people, the things that it unlocks. So we've had house parties. We went to one this past Friday uh, down at our South End campus. Uh, family had a South par- uh, uh, house party. And they got this big water slide. They had ice cream trucks. They did barbecue and Chick-fil-A. I mean, they just like covered it all. Do you know what I mean? It was huge. It was amazing. And then we also got invited to one and we went on 4th of July. And It was the best time ever. I mean, a 4th of July house party. They had a pool. So what they did is they said to everybody, just bring your bathing suits, bring a towel. We got all the food covered. We we got it. Everything's going to be awesome. And it's 4th of July. So my husband was thinking, they didn't mention anything about fireworks. And seeing as how we are the Maxwells, we got to make sure we bring some fireworks to the party. And... And because he's a pastor, he decided that he would have my son go buy the illegal ones. (laughs) So he says to our son, who at the time was just 20 years old, he's 21 now, he was 20 years old, and he's like, Colby, go down, cross over the border into South Carolina. Here's your fireworks budget. I want you to buy the biggest baddest fireworks that you can find. And so my son gets there and he's FaceTiming and he's like walking around. I'm like, babe, everybody's seeing your face on your FaceTime. You might as well have just gone on your own. And he's like, Colby, hang up the phone and call me. (laughs) He's like, call me. And so Colby's going, which ones do I buy, dad? Tell me which ones. And he's like, all right, here's the deal. I need you to go up to the register, 
Look around for the attendant that only has three fingers and ask him. He'll know. <laughs> He's got the good stuff. So Colby shows up to the house party that night. He brings the mother load of fireworks, right? And I'm telling you, it was sketch. All the mom, the rule follower part of me was just cringing. But see, I'm always the bad cop and my husband always gets to be the good cop. So I was trying to like simmer myself down. I'm like, oh, this is fun. Oh. You know, meanwhile, there's stuff landed on neighbor's houses. And I'm like, oh, thank Jesus. They got clay roofs. That, you can't burn clay roof, can you? You know, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus. Oh, thank goodness. They got a stone, stone top on their house. I'm just like getting a little nervous, right? But it was really fun. I mean, I may have ran three times because, you know, those little ones that swirl, what are those things called, the little swirly things, they're just crazy. They came up in your face, and all the guys are just loving it, and I'm thinking insurance and fire, and, you know, we only had to use the, the fire extinguisher one time, so that's a good night, right? And uh, so everything was just happening. It was just one of those bumping house parties. Everything was fun. But do you know that wasn't even my favorite part of the night? My favorite part wasn't the barbecue that they served and the macaroni and cheese. My favorite part was when I was looking around the house and I saw some faces that kind of looked familiar, but I wasn't 100% sure and and so I went up to this one couple in particular and I said, hey, I just wanted to, to introduce you. Is there anybody here that maybe you didn't know that I could introduce you to? And they said the best thing ever. They said our first time we just came to church and we got invited to this house party so you can introduce us to everyone because we know no one. And I just thought that is what it's all about that is doing life with people. That is making sure that nobody feels like they're an outsider, that they know first time walking through the doors, we care, we're glad you're here. You're here, come be a part of the family. We don't do strangers at Freedom House. For me, that was the best part of the night. You know, I wanna read a a passage in Leviticus to you. But before I do, I want to kind of set up a little bit the culture and the time that they were living in in the Bible. You see, when they would travel or when they would go places, it was quite different than when you or I would travel. When you or I travel, I'm, I'm getting on a plane this afternoon, and if I had to, to walk to Boston, it might take me a little bit, right? It, it might be quite a journey. I might get a little bit dirty if I'm having to walk or go on the back of an animal, okay? That's going to get me a little dirty. It might make me sneeze a whole lot unless I take my Claritin D, right? I'm just saying. A little, little allergy going on with the donkeys. But, but what happens is, is you and I, we have a different mode of travel than what they did back then. So when they would travel, it was dirty. It was messy, they have sandals on. They're walking up and down streets, getting covered with dirt. They're riding on the back of animals and sometimes stepping on what the animal is left in the wake of the street, right? So we get to exit out a lot of the inconvenience of what travel used to be. We get tired because we had to sit on a plane for a few hours when they, it was intense for them to travel. 
It's often unsafe as well because you didn't have a checking or a savings account to put your valuables in. You had to take them with you because you couldn't leave them while you weren't there, so you had to travel with them. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible is so important because they were literally having to travel with valuables and the Good Samaritan came and stopped someone who had been robbed and beaten and left by thieves. So travel was also very dangerous, right? So in Leviticus, we're going to read what the Bible has to say. And I want you to understand that as we read Leviticus, Leviticus is oftentimes a book of the Bible that we can kind of hop over, right? Genesis, Exodus, hop over Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers is kind of, a lot of numbers. Let's go to Deuteronomy, Joshua. Sometimes we hop over Leviticus because Leviticus was the law. Leviticus was written out to be the law and the guide for the people. So what I'm about to read to you was law. Check this out, Leviticus 19.33. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you. You shall love him as yourself. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm supposed to treat a stranger and love them like I love myself? What is this all about? For you were once strangers in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. You see, what happens is, is oftentimes you and I are traveling through life, and we get a little dirty, we get a little messy. Sometimes we may feel like someone who's been robbed, like beaten up and left, And if we realize that other people may be feeling that way too, maybe what we could do is we could decide to be there for somebody else. Because all of us have felt like the new person before, right? You ever been the new person at work and you just felt a little bit out of place? What if we, when somebody new came into our office, what if we could help them connect By not making them feel awkward or strange or different, what if we just said, hey, we're so glad to have you. Could could I get you a cup of coffee? Tell me about your family. How many kids do you have? But you see, it's real easy. Sometimes we want to go in our corner office and close the door, and we forget what it's like to be the new person. Some of you, maybe you walked here into Freedom House today and you're new. It's up to the rest of us who were once new to make you not feel new. To make you feel like from the very moment you walked in that you were family because guess what? You are. What if, you know, I I remember the first time, you know, my kids are older now. I've got two in college and one is a senior in high school. But when my kids were little, I remember the first time I dropped them off at preschool. Gut-wrenching. What if we just noticed another mom who was doing the same thing and just encouraged them or just loved on them? What if we made it our goal that there was no such thing as a stranger? that we cared for and loved on people well. That's what hospitality is all about. Jesus talks about 
hospitality in the Bible so many times. I want to give you just this one scripture here. In this scripture in Matthew 25, 35, Jesus says, Who will inherit the kingdom of heaven? Then he proceeds to answer the very question that he asked. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. You see, this law wasn't just in the Old Testament. It now transcends into the New Testament, right? I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and we feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? When did this happen? And he says, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You know what I love about that is because oftentimes when we think about hospitality or being hospitable, we can think it's just for people that have that gift of hospitality. I don't possess that gift. That's not for me. That's not my thing. But I think hospitality is for every single one of us. Letting people know that they matter to us before they might even realize that they matter to God. How could we do that better in our lives? You know, I love, I was digging in this a little bit. The root word for hospitality and hospital are the same root word. It's the root word hospice. What does hospice mean? It means a host or a guest. What if we realized that church was just like a hospital and people who come in may be broken or hurt and need a little bit of fixing up. And what if we looked at that and we decided to be hospitable whenever somebody walked through these doors? Just like when you go into a hospital, you go there because there's something you're needing some help with. And you want to leave with your feet set right. You want to leave with the answer that you're needing to make things better. And if we all realize that we walked through these doors today, you, me, or maybe you're watching online right now, every single one of us has a hospital gown on. Every single one of us came in here today or is watching online and there is a need that you have. We all got the hospital gown on and you know what that means is if we realize that every single one of us has that gown on, then we'll be okay when we see other people's needs because guess what? We have our own. In other words, all of us have the hospital gown on and there's a gap in every single one. And what does the gap do? It lets your little ugly butt show because all of us got a little ugly butt. And yes, I said ugly butt in church. Yes, I did. Because you know what? All of us have a place in our life that we don't want exposed and we're a little afraid. If I go in, what if I get exposed? But if you realize everybody else is getting exposed too, that we're all in the same boat, it allows you just to exhale and just be real. Right? Because I think there's enough people out there being fake. Don't you just like real 
And, and I've just determined in life, I would rather people love me for who I am than try to be, it's exhausting trying to be something you're not, right? Just be you. Let people love you, gap and all, because all of us got that gap. What if we just showed hospitality and loved people well? I want to give this to you in two different parts today. So I would love for you to take notes either on your phone or with the sheets that have been provided for you. We're going to talk about hospitality in two different aspects first. We're going to talk about it inside the church. And then we're going to talk about it outside the church. How can we be hospitable inside the church? Here at Freedom House, we have developed a hospitality team. But do you know what? It's every single team's responsibility in our entire church to be hospitable. It's not just left up to the hospitality team, although we do have one of those and they are absolutely amazing at what they do. Let me just give you a concept here. When we talk about hospitality, we talk about esteeming someone else before you esteem yourself, making sure that when people walk in these doors, they know we thought about them before they ever got here. I think a great way to show hospitality within the walls of the church or to serve somebody else. What if all of us today, right now, what if we chose to serve? I see a lot of kids' t-shirts on. I cannot tell you how awesome that makes my heart feel. I personally feel like the best place you can serve in this church is with the kids. You want the biggest blessing you've ever had, you go serve a kid. You know why? Because they can't do anything back for you. There is no other motive than love. No other motive. I think serving somebody a hot cup of coffee and just smiling at them, just caring for people, every single person in this church who is here today, no matter what it may look like, your serve may look different than somebody else's serve, but every single one of us in some capacity should be serving somebody else. What I have noticed is I have noticed that people's destinies are unlocked when they begin to serve. There is a couple that um, was attending our church. They've been attending our church now for 13 years. They are our South End campus pastors. I have a picture of them, Matt and Diana Henderson. They've been attending our church for 13 years. They are the most incredible, most amazing couple. Can I tell you about the first six years that they attended? They sat on the very back row they came late so nobody would look at them, so nobody would see them, right? It was before they had kids. They just came. They didn't know a lot about God, but they would came late. They sat in the very back because they didn't want anybody to talk to them, sat in the back, and then right before service would dismiss, they would bolt out of the door so they could get out before anybody would try to catch them, right? Before anybody would talk to them. I'm escaping, the great escape. And they would bolt through the doors. Six years they did that. Somebody grabbed them one week and said something to them because we decided to put some people out there in the lobby so to catch those, right? Just to catch them. Go get them. Just love on them. Show them Jesus. 
And somebody caught him and just loved on him and said, why are you hiding? You've been here six years. Why are you hiding? And the thing is, is that, see, they had the hospital gown on. And they were just afraid. They're like, we, we don't know a lot about being Christians. We don't, we don't have all the stuff down. And they said, well, welcome to the party. You know, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I'd rather you come in here not a Christian than I don't have to dig all the old religion stuff out of you. I'm just saying. It takes a long time sometimes to, you know, dig that old religious stuff out. Sometimes just dealing with a blank slate is the best because you just get to give them full-on Jesus. Not the Jesus they remember from their childhood. The real Jesus, right? So here this couple is, just the, the escape artists. And they came to me in the lobby one Sunday, and they said, we're ready to stop hiding. We're ready to stop hiding. That was a little over six years ago. They began serving. They began loving on people. They, she started off as a greeter. He started off parking cars. And they just began to love on people. And then they started getting into leadership position. And they just loved on more people. And eventually, after leading leaders, then they have their own campus that they're overseeing. And they are kicking butt, y'all. But guess what? They had to stop hiding. They had to stop running. They had to stop disconnecting themselves because of fear of what somebody might think or say. Some of you are watching online right now. You're just testing out the waters, kicking the tires of Freedom House. You're not sure if you're going to come yet. And you know what? That's okay. You are where you are, but I encourage you not to stay there. I encourage you to come, meet some other people, hang out, do life together. Because that campus, South End campus, would be missing something without that couple. What might be missing because you haven't yet stepped into your purpose or your serve or your love to serve somebody else? What little kid might need to be set free? What grown-up might just need you to hand them a cup of coffee or open the door as they come in? Lives changing just over things that, that are actually pretty simple. They're pretty simple. Because see, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Not everybody understands this. You know, sometimes people put a lot of emphasis on this platform. And, and I do believe in treating this platform with great honor and great care and respect. But can I just tell you this? People may not always remember every word that they heard preached from this platform, but they will always remember how you made them feel. How do we make people feel when they are walking through the doors? Do we let them feel like they belong? That they matter? Because they do. All right, all right. That's inside the church. Let's go outside the church for a minute because I want you to see this. This is so important. I think sometimes we understand the importance of inside, just loving and serving. And let me show you what happens outside. I wanna give you a couple of scriptures here because this is for those of you who think hospitality is just a gift for some. Let me show you what the Bible says. In Romans 12, 13, it says, seek to show hospitality. 
In 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, be hospitable to one another. Here's the part that can get us. What are those next two words? Without complaint. Man. Hebrews 13, 1. Let brotherly love continue. Don't let it just stop here. Let it continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 1 Timothy 3, 2 says that, listen, if you desire to be a leader or you call yourself a leader, one of the qualifications listed out in 1 Timothy 3, 2 is you have to be hospitable. You want leadership? Hospitality goes hand in hand with leadership. And we model this at Freedom House. From the top all the way down, not just inside the walls of the church. Y'all do not see me or my husband or our staff hanging back in the green room. They got food back there, y'all. They got mints and drinks and all that. Do you know where you see us? Where you are, in the lobby. The smell of the sheep on our clothing. That is important to connect to be with other people. So, so why all the emphasis on hospitality? I mean, great. It seems like kind gesture. Your absolute prayers will be unlocked through the gift of hospitality. And let me show you what I'm talking about. I want to read you a scripture from Acts. And this is Paul. Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. He gets there with his crew. The ship's been destroyed. And and what happens? What happens when he gets there and he's shipwrecked? Acts 28 says this. It says, There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home, and he showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. All right, take a pause right there for a moment. I'm going to stop right there because I want you to notice something that I think is incredibly important. Here was Paul shipwrecked on this island, the leader of the entire island. So not only is he already leading, okay, he's in a position of leadership, but in his own house, his father's sick. It's pretty sick. Most of us, if we are honest, we would have said, oh man, Paul, I'm really sorry you're shipwrecked. I'm really sorry you're going through a hard time in life. But you see, I got my own issues in my own house. So you know what? Maybe somebody else can look after you. Maybe somebody else can deal with your need. Hey, I wish you the best, man. Sorry that your life's been shipwrecked. Sorry you've landed where you are. Sorry things are broken in your life, but, but you see, I got my own problems. I got my own issues going on. Therefore, I'm removing myself from any, I'm relocating myself from any responsibility to help you because I got my own issues. That's not what he did. He said, despite what is going on in my life, in my house, I have a responsibility to help other people. I'm a leader. I'm too busy. I've got a company I'm running. The dude is a government official running an island. 
He wasn't too busy. He didn't have too much going on in his own world where he just didn't stop for a minute, take a pause to help somebody else. For three days, he ministered hospitality. His father was sick in bed. It says, so Paul went in to see his father. And after he prayed for him, he placed his hands on his head and he healed Publius's father. I mean, there's no way he could have known that this shipwrecked guy was actually going to have the answer that he needed. But he did. And it doesn't stop there. If you continue reading, it says, and then when that happened, the rest of the sick people who were on the island, they all came and they were all cured and healed as well. It doesn't stop there. It says that Paul was getting back on the ship after they had repaired things and they were going to send him back off. It says, Paul says, they honored us in so many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Hospitality unlocked an answer, not just for a household, but for an entire city. Just showing hospitality, giving hospitality. Maybe the very thing that we're going through, the answer is not in just cocooning. Maybe the answer is, is in releasing hospitality to somebody else. How incredible that that happened. One house party. They had a house party and the whole city got healed. There are so many people shipwrecked in life. What would happen if we were just to open up, despite what we're going through? Because all of us are walking through something. And if you're not right now, you will be. What if we just opened up our heart, opened up our home, loved other people well? Read this next scripture with me. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. It says, now it happened... One day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman. She persuaded him to eat some food. So here he is. He's a prophet. He's been traveling a lot. He's been up and down those roads we talked about. And she's like, let me just feed you. She must have been an Italian grandma, a Shunemite Italian grandma. She's like, let me just feed you. That was my grandma. Let me just feed you. And so it was, as often as Elisha passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she says to her husband, you know, we've been feeding him. Um, Look now, like he's a holy man of God that passes by regularly. Let us make a, a little upstairs bedroom for him. So that way when he comes by regularly, you know, he, he can, we can put a bed up there. We can put a candlestick, a chair. We can put all those things up there for him. So whenever he comes by, he can turn in there. Verse 11, it says, And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he laid down there. Then he said to Gehazi, I want you to catch this because this is huge. He said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him and she said to him, and he said to Gehazi, say to her, look, you've been concerned with us for all of this care. What can we do for you? How can we help you? You've been serving us. You've been looking out for us. How can we bless you? And then 
He says, you know, do you want me to, to go to the king on your behalf? Do you want me to go to the commander of the army? He's like just giving her some suggestions. Uh, like how, how can we bless you? She answered and said, I dwell among my own people. What does that mean? It means I'm content here. I'm good. I don't need anything. Everything is fine. So then he said, okay, Gehazi, well then, like, what can we do for her? She, she said she's content. She's good. Like, what can we do for her? And Gehazi answered and he said, hey, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Now, I want to stop there for a moment because most of us would jump over that and keep reading. But I need you to understand the day and the time and the culture. When you say that somebody has no son, what you are literally saying is they have no future. They have no legacy because they did not have a social security pay system like you and I have. If they did not have working descendants, their farms would cease to exist. They could not go and bring crops in as elderly. They could not tend the sheep, the cows, the goats. They could not look after things. So what they would do is their children were the ones who would be responsible, who would look after things. And they would say, okay, okay. You are now, and this is now your property. We will stay in the bedroom, in the house. You can now look after things. But Gehazi notices they have no legacy. They have no one to pass an inheritance onto. They have no offspring. They have no heirs. They are not gonna be taken care of in life. So he brings that to Elisha's attention. And he, he, he calls, he said, go call her. So he calls the Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. And he says to her, listen, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And what is her response? Shut the front door. You are lying to me. You are lying up in here right now. We are old people. You are lying to your maidservant. Don't you be lying to me. You see, what happens sometimes is the same thing that happens with you and I. We, God says, what can I do for you? And, and we, we just think, you know what? That, it's, it's over and done with for me. I, like that was a dream of long ago. I won't even touch that one. So, you know, God, I'm good. And he's like, no, 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 no. What can I do for you? And we're just like, you, you know, well, that's past. So let me think of something. I, like I can't think of anything. And he's like, no, 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 no. Go back to the dream. What was the dream that I gave you that you, you let die because you, you didn't think it was going to happen. You, you see, what should have happened is she should have said, I need a miracle. I, I would love a son. We, we've not been able to have a son. But somewhere in her heart, she gave up that promise. But God reminded her through a prophet. And he answered 
her dreams. He answered the very thing she wanted, that she needed, that she had given up on. What might that be for you today? Maybe something you'd let go of that you thought maybe it's too late. I want to tell you something that happened with Pastor Troy and I. We, um, we had a hard time initially having kids. It was pretty tough on us. Uh, we were about to go through a bunch of treatments and so forth, but I remember um, we've, we've been doing ministry. We've been pastoring for 25 years, and I remember when we were youth pastors back in the day, um, long time ago, I remember when we were youth pastors and we had a youth group that was very different than what our vertical youth group is. Like, vertical, they're, they're easy, okay? I mean, the stuff that you deal with is just kind of low-key chill compared to what Troy and I had to deal with as youth pastors. I mean, vertical, you know, the kids are like, man, I got my iPhone 10 taken because I broke curfew. And I'm like, oh, feel so bad for you, you know. Or, oh, you know, I got a scratch on my new car so I can't drive it for a week. And I'm like, poor you, you're going to be okay. You'll be all right. But let me tell you about the youth group that Pastor Troy and I were over, right? We had a youth group. We would bus kids in from the inner city. We had kids straight out of the hood, right? And they would come to youth group, and it was like a whole different ball game. I mean, we had to wand them when they would come in, and we, like, like have to get rid of all the weapons, everything. We had police officers. Every week we had to call the police because we had the Crips and the Bloods. Y'all thought, like, oh, she's a little white girl, a little cracker. She ain't. No, we had the Crips and the Bloods, y'all. Forget this, okay? Forget this. We had the Crips and the Bloods up in our youth group, and we had to make a no bandana rule because every week fights were breaking out. And they weren't like, you know, oh, your mama's so... No, it wasn't that kind of fight. It was like full-on, like, gang stuff. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, some of you do. And, uh, and so... We had to make this no bandana rule because, see, the Crips wore blue bandanas and the Bloods wore red bandanas. And they were a hot mess, y'all, a hot mess. And here, too, you know, we hadn't been youth pastors all that long when we were given this youth group. And we were like, oh, Jesus, if we can survive this, we can do anything. That's why y'all ain't that big a deal. Y'all issues, I'm like, oh, we can pray for that. Yeah, that's good. Ain't none of y'all ever pulled a knife on me. Ain't none of y'all ever pulled a gun on me. I'm good. I'm good, right? Y'all going, I can't believe. Yeah, you'd be surprised what, what these little clothes and hair can hide. There are some stories, y'all. So here we are. We're in youth group. And uh, we have drug busts going on all the time. And we're like, don't leave, don't, don't leave your purse on that seat. That will not be there when you get back. Do not even think about it. I mean, it was some stuff, y'all. And my husband says, babe, babe, we got to figure out a way how to get into these kids' lives. And I'm like, well, it's not like we can go to their house, babe. We're going to get shot. We can't go there. And he's like, well, they need to come to us. But we couldn't go in their neighborhoods after dark. It, it was bad. So he's like, well, let's just go pick them up, like, early in the morning, like when it's daytime, and we'll just keep them and, and for the next day. 
And he's like, let's pick the five worst ones. And we knew we either had to pick Crips or Bloods. We couldn't mix them because y'all don't understand. That's bad stuff, right? So we're like, okay, we, we're going to pick the Crips. Because, you know, the Bloods, you know, to get into the Bloods, it's blood in, blood out. And I'm just thinking maybe it'll be a little bit better. We'll go with the Crips. I don't know. But my husband said, we want the five baddest dudes in the whole youth group. And I'm like, oh, okay. They're coming over to our house. Oh, Jesus, help me. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm like, don't y'all look at me. Y'all be nervous too. You had the Crips up in your house. So here we are. We get the five baddest dudes, and we bring them over to the house, and I'm just, like, nervous. I am so out of my comfort zone. I am just, I mean, it's one thing when I got police officers there, and they can wand everybody down, and, you know, my husband would stand at the door because, you know, he knew a lot about drugs. Girlfriend did not. I did not grow up like my husband, so I could not tell. They could lie to me, and I would not know. But, but my husband, he's like, no, you're doing drugs. You need to go home. You need, you're high right now. And they'd be like, Pastor Joel, I ain't high. And he's like, yes, you are. And he said, he said, all right, all right. Then I want you to say your ABCs backwards. And the kid was like, Z, Z, Y, ABC, Z, Y. And he's like, dude, get out of here. You high. And he's like, I ain't high. Like, like, he's like, but, but I can't say my ABCs backwards even when I'm not high. <laughs> so he just like totally told on himself, right? So anyway, we got these five guys in our house, the baddest ones. And I'm just thinking, oh, you know, I, I'm going to put a chair up under my door at night when I go to sleep so they can't come in my room. Like I'm just like trying to figure all this stuff out. Like I got this whole little plan in my head. And, and, so the first thing is they get there, and my husband was like, hey, I want to show you guys. He's like, i got to change the oil on my car. I want to show you how to do this. None of them had dads. Didn't know a thing about changing oil. Troy's up under the car, and he says, hey, hand, hand me, hand me the, the wrench. Charles just stood there. Just stood there with the toolbox. We realized that Charles didn't know what a wrench was, so... Then Troy says to him, it's got the crescent shape on the end, and it's silver. Just hand me that. Charles stands there. We realize he didn't know what a crescent shape was. So I reached in the toolbox, and I handed it, and I said, Charles, give him this. And he began to show those guys just practical things that their dads had never done for them. Just love on them. Just be there for them. And it was, it was funny because, you know, when dinner time came, we had put some hot dogs on the grill and we brought them in the house. And, and this one kid, Jamie, is just looking at his hot dog like this. And I'm like, okay, surely Jamie is eating a hot dog. Like, what, what's going on? And Jamie's like, Pastor P, there's something wrong with my hot dog. I was like, what, what's wrong with it, Jamie? He's like, there's like, black lines across my hot dog. <laughs> I said, Jamie, Jamie, come here. Let me show you. I said, Jamie, and I took him out back, and he's looking around. I said, Jamie, this is a grill. I said, we, we put it on the grill. And he goes, we don't eat outside of my house. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what the black lines on my hot dog was for. And I just began to think how many things that we've taken for granted that we don't even realize 
the perspective it brought to me. And I'm gonna tell you, that was one of the most uncomfortable situations I've ever been in in my life. And you know what I figured out? Was I asked those guys, I'm like, hey, are you guys doing good? Are you okay? And they said to me, they said, are you nervous? I go, heck yeah. <laughs> they said, you afraid we're gonna steal your china and your silver? I said, and anything else, yes. <laughs> I said, I sure am. You have to understand, I knew these guys, right? And I was nervous. And they said, well, can we tell you something too? We're nervous too. I said, why are you nervous? They're like, we ain't ever been in no white lady's house before. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, you know, but you know what it did? It put us on the same playing field right then and there. Both of us felt uncomfortable and it allowed an opportunity. My husband started a basketball league to get these guys off the streets. He began to be their coach and every Saturday morning, we didn't have kids, but we had kids. You know what I'm saying? That's why I tell my kids now, I'm like, oh, please, you got little, yes. Like, one of my kids gets a sassy mouth. They're like, oh, I'm like, oh, come on. I done dealt with the crypts. That ain't nothing. Stop. Like, oh, please. Is that all you got? Come on. Come on. But you know, the truth of the matter is, it put us all in the same playing field that day of just realizing just some simple hospitality, just loving and caring for other people, what it unlocks. I wish, I wish I could tell you that all five of those guys just made it and everything was amazing. One of the guys is serving a life sentence, another one 50 years. They were some bad dudes. But you know, one of the guys was able to confess to us what he had done. We had never been in a situation like that, nor have I since. We went and turned him into the authorities, went with us. He had enough in his heart, a glimmer of something in his heart where he wanted to make it right. And I'll never forget just getting to be there and love on him. And I just said, you know, God, you use Paul in prison. Use Alex. God, you use Paul in prison. Use Charles. They were some bad dudes, y'all. But they had sin in their life just like you and me. And had we not had parents in our lives and we grew up where they grew up, we might have been the same way. And it's amazing the walls and the barriers that can come down when we just choose to love people well, no matter what they look like, no matter where they're from. Would you stand on your feet with me today? Do you know what's interesting to me is I was um, sharing that at our South End campus and one of my old youth group girls was there. Her name's Kim. She was one of the good stories. She uh, is now a very, very successful doctor at Presby. And it was so good to be able to point her out while I was sharing that and just say how good God is. But here's the thing, even if things didn't turn out with all those boys like I wanted, they were seed sown. 
there were seeds sown into their life. Would you sow some seeds into other people's lives? You know, I think part of the thing that, um, that kind of can trip us up, I think sometimes there's things that we have to think through of, why am, why am I not reaching my neighborhood? Maybe you're shy. Maybe you don't think your house is nice enough. Maybe you're like, and I've heard people say this, I'm afraid my house is too nice and somebody might judge me. I don't have enough parking spaces. I've been hurt before. There's a whole host of things that we could say of why. But you know, the Bible describes the devil. It says that the devil is like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. The thing about a roaring lion, it doesn't just say he's like a lion. It says he's like a roaring lion. What does that mean? The roar means his mouth is open. And I just know whatever is holding me back from my purpose is a roar from the mouth of the lion. And I've watched God time and time again. Not only will he close the literal mouth of the lion like he did in the book of Daniel, but he will close the figurative mouth of the lion that is whispering to you that is keeping you back, is keeping you withdrawn, is keeping you from serving others, it's keeping you from connecting in life group, it's keeping you from connecting with others. I just wanna invite you today into community. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? If you're in here today or maybe you're even watching online today, I would like to just invite you into community. You don't have to get up from your seat. And hey, if you're there online, you can just click the little button that says, hey, I wanna stop hiding. I just wanna come out. I, I, God, I just wanna open up my life, open up my heart. I've, I've had some walls up. If that's you, would you just take your hand and just place it over your heart? Or if you're online, just click that button right there. You just say, I've, I've had some walls up and I wanna bring the walls down. It could be walls at work, could be walls at church. Maybe you've walled yourself off from God. Cause see, whenever we wall ourselves off from people, we typically, however we handle people is what we're doing to God. So just put your hand on your heart. If you just say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna step out of hiding. I'm gonna expose a little bit. I'm gonna risk a little bit. And would you just say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. God, you exist within community. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all within community. And we wanna take your model and we wanna live our life that way. We ask you into our heart. We ask you into our world. And we ask you to change it for the good. No more hiding, no more shrinking back. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you wanna find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.